love Lucy. And I'm Diana, and I, you know, like Lucy. And this is My Favorite Redhead, the podcast where I show Diana every I Love Lucy episode in order, and then we discuss them together until she and all of you love Lucy too. This week's episode is number five, The Operetta. I have to tell you guys, there was such a build-up to this episode, (laughs) just like subtly over the last, what, 41 episodes, <laughs> and I've been, I've been approaching this episode with both excitement, because we love an operetta, and dread, because there's always madness that happens, and I want to cover my face, but I can't, because that's the gig, so... I haven't been just, like, constantly building it up. I don't know if you've noticed that she exaggerates sometimes about Me? my craziness. Me? exaggerate it's artistic (laughs) license it's my job so back to the story so it starts with Lucy saying goodbye to this big pack of women who turns out of course is the Wednesday Afternoon Fine Arts Society or as Ricky calls sorry Fine Arts League or as Ricky calls them the Fang and Claw League society club thingy anyway he's rude about it yes so and lucy's nervous and she's chewing on her nails and ethel comes in and she's late she thought she'd get home in time but she what came in late and lucy tells her that the club voted to put on an operetta but the problem is that there's no money the league has no money and ethel's like aren't you the treasurer and lucy's like yeah but so what happened was a while ago Ricky was going over her budget, which we know what happens there. That sort of that that whole situation yeah. is not improved, and so she kind of dipped into the kitty a little bit to make up for her deficit, and then she tried to repay the kitty with money from the household finances, and then you know she came up short in the household and had to take from the society. So back and forth, and eventually both accounts are empty, and that was the first time. This is that this episode insulted me personally, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's how that's the tone." Okay, that's how this is gonna go forward. Yes. So, Lucy suggests that they can save the royalty fees by writing the operetta themselves, and you know we know how this goes because obviously she wrote the play herself, mm-hmm. and she had something to do with the variety show, or whatever. There were other times when she's. Mm-hmm written things herself. So we know she's got some chops. Um, But we know she also tends to get herself into a pickle once or twice. She says also they can save some other things by having Ethel and Ricky as the female and male leads because of course Ethel loves the stage and Ricky is Mr. Ricky Ricardo. And if if you have one set of eyes on him, and this again is precedented where there is literally one person in the room watching him and he was still putting on the full Ricky Ricardo <laughs> show without the band. So It's not like you can turn in anything less and still be Ricky Ricardo. It's like Joan Crawford, not to bring up my fave, but you know, she didn't go to the grocery store unless she looked like Joan Crawford. So Ricky yeah. Ricardo is not going to sing a note unless he's performing like Ricky Ricardo. And he really, it doesn't matter. There is no audience too small. <laughs> so the next scene is Lucy writing, and Ethel comes in, And it turns out that Lucy has rewritten herself as the lead, because it just makes sense. If Ricky's going to be the prince, then she should be the pleasant peasant. 
girl, <laughs> and be his female lead. And Ethel is like, Lucy. And Lucy's like, well, you know, it makes sense. And she's like, okay, but which of us can actually sing? And Lucy's like, well, that's just rude. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really fun because we don't very often get to see Ethel show off her mm-hmm. actual ability. And she sings like a goddamn Disney princess. I was so mad. But it was also really nice. She yeah. has quite a nice voice. And then Lucy attempted, so Ethel basically was like, let's have auditions right now. Which was very aggressive of her. <laughs> but I also enjoyed it. So Lucy's like, fine. I guess I'll be the, the character she had <laughs> written for Ethel after she decided to depose her was the snaggletoothed old yeah. <laughs> fortune teller. Now, they they use the G-slur, and they use that whole uh, aesthetic, but we're going to continue to refer to that character as the fortune teller because she does show up to deliver prophecies. Yes, so and that's not a nice word to use. No, so... So heads up, if you're going to watch this episode, there is that stereotype present because it, it was the 50s. Yeah. So. Wasn't a conversation they were having yet at the time, but no. we're having it now. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to avoid that whole yeah. side of it and just stick with her actual function in the play. So Lucy concedes and she'll take that role. So she blocks the story for Ethel and Ethel's like, there are already so many scenes. Like, that's so many scenes. And Lucy's like, it's fine, I've already, I got the sets and the costumes already, and Ethel's like, don't you have to pay for that up front? And she was like, yeah, but here's what I did. I paid them with the check from the society, and it's dated, the check is dated the day after opening night, so we'll already have that money. And Ethel, like, deadass looks at the camera like... <laughs> We know where this is going, audience. I love that Lucy described it like she had invented the concept. Right? It was very funny. So, the next scene is Ricky rehearsing his song with the girls, and he's not a fan of some of Lucy's lyrics. (laughs) And this is the most, like, like, uh, ham-handed iambic pentameter, and it's very funny. And he's just like Lucy. I'm <laughs> actually Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's the vibe. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and she's like, anyway, whatever, read the lines. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, I have to say, he's actually a pretty good sport. So it's fine. Then Fred comes in, in his slutty toga, and is, and I don't know wh- wh- where the toga came from, <laughs> because it's not the actual costume from the plane as no. we'll see later so i don't know why he was why he had his knees out i love that he looked at it and it was like clearly wrong yes but he just put it on anyways because he's, he's game yeah and he's like there are these guys downstairs they've got costumes and co- and uh sets and stuff and what do you want to do with them and i i love that he's like they just showed up with this stuff and i was like yeah i'll put that on yeah like i'm the building manager i'm not just gonna like arrange for these things to be taken up to my tenant who ordered them, I'm gonna put on one of these while I do it. He's just that vaudeville that he can't even do his actual day job out of costume. Well, anyway, so Lucy goes down to figure out what's going on and Ricky kind of conspires with Ethel and he's like, you know, I love Lucy to death, but the bitch cannot sing. He said the thing. He said the title of the show. Yes! I I actually missed that because I was writing my notes, but he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Ethel says, don't worry, I got it covered. What's going to happen is that every time Lucy opens her mouth, the full cast is going to sing with her. (laughs) And I was like, well, there's a reason they mentioned that. Because my writer 
senses are tingling. Yes. <laughs> There's so much foreshadowing in this episode, you guys. So the play begins, and I don't remember what this woman's name is, but she's she's announcing the play, and she's poked her head through the curtains, <laughs> and she just looks so delightful in her Anton LaVey drag. <laughs> I just, with her, like, her little mustache and her little... It's the cutest thing ever. And she's like, I can't come out because I'm in my costume. I love her. I know. I'm like, girl, we know how a play works. It's fine. It's okay. So then the play opens with the washerwomen singing by the well. The other pleasant peasants. Not the pleasant peasant, but the other pleasant peasants. Mm -hmm. And I didn't catch a lot of this song because especially when there's ensemble, Mm -hmm. like the the audio quality. Yeah. And also the audience was laughing at a lot of points, too. Yeah. So it just, it very much reminded me of, you know, the, um, what are they called? Like the body washer women at the Ren Fair? Yeah. Yeah. The washing well winches? The washing well winches, yeah. yeah. So, you know all the ones, I yeah. mean. So, Absolutely. Yeah, shout out to you girls if you listen to our podcast. That's what this thing is called. Dream crossover. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? <laughs> so then Fred comes out in his outfit, and he's an innkeeper. And he's an innkeeper who likes a tipple. And I thought that was interesting. But, you know, it's a common stereotype. So, but his little song was very, very cute. And then Ethel comes out and she's Lily of the Valley, (laughs) the valley over there. Yes. (laughs) She does the pageant queen drag move of pointing over there. Yes. And she has this fucking 1938 Snow White thing where she's singing about how she's never been loved and she's waiting for her man to come get her and then it ends with this like raunchy 20s drag <laughs> growl number bit and I about fucking died you guys so cute. it was very <laughs> cute then Lucy arrives out of the well in a puff of smoke as the fortune teller And she tells Ethel that, you know, her man is going to come, he's a prince, and, you know, it's fine, but it's going to be disastrous for everyone. Everyone, everything's going to end in heartbreak. And all Ethel hears, of course, is her prince is coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then her prince arrives, who is, of course, Ricky. Oh, and during the part where Lucy is delivering this prophecy, apparently Lucy herself did not realize that all of her parts would be ensemble parts. Because when she started singing, everyone else started singing, and she jumped, and she got yeah. very aggressive with everybody, and eventually just decided to speak her lines. If she had known, she would have done something. Yes. <laughs> so Ricky comes out and does the number that he was complaining about, but of course he hands it up, and it's adorable, and it's fine, Ricky. We all knew it was going to be fine. <laughs> then Lucy comes out again to remind them that this is going to be disastrous, and then one of the other peasant women comes out, and she's like, I need to speak to you! And what's <laughs> happened is that one of the one of the people that Lucy bought the sets from are the people the people have shown up and they are repossessing the sets and the costumes <laughs> because the check bounced and Lucy's like we'll handle it and it's just not happening and at one point like they're bringing out the wedding bows and they're playing the wedding march because they've just decided to get this hoe married because forget the rest of the plot and these guys are coming out and, like, repossessing the set as this is happening. They're, like, they're taking the well, they're taking the rocks, they're taking Ricky. At one point, they took the set of stairs that Ethel was on. And that, you guys, that is where it ends. That's the end of the episode. 
They don't go back to the Ricardo's apartment and, like, talk about it. They don't... There's no resolution. That's just... I about spat out my coffee, you guys. Because I... They just... They they fade to black, and then they roll credits, and I about choked. I was like, that's... That's it? Yeah. So, um... Everybody's at the pawn shop. Lucy has to go sell her earrings, which we know only cost about $50 in today's money, to go get her husband and her landlord out of hock. So, wild. Yeah. Wild from start to finish. All because she had the brilliant idea of a post-dated check. Yes. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Alright, so this aired October 13th, 1952, and was filmed on May 23rd, 1952. It was written by Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Pugh, and Bob Carroll Jr., and directed by Mark Daniels. It was the 38th episode produced overall, and the 40th to air, and it was also the last episode Mark Daniels directed. Aww. Series wrap for our boy. Aww, he did a good job. He did. Round of applause for Mr. Daniels. And he didn't really realize what cultural phenomenon he was a part of. And Um, he got a higher paying job offer. So he took it. You kind of can't blame him because. This is the beginning of season two. I probably had done the same thing. Yeah. He's, you know, probably picking himself now. Yeah. (laughs) And he did eventually come back and direct six episodes of Lucy's final series, Life with Lucy. So they reunited, That's they cute. got to work together again at kind of the end of their careers, so that was cool. So the songs for the episode were written by Elliot Daniel, who was the series composer, and he also wrote the show's theme song. Oh, cute. And the writers actually did most of the lyrics, I think, obviously, you can hear the comedy mm-hmm. writer touch on that silly wordplay and Oh my god, yeah. Punnage. <laughs> so stupid, but so clever. Yeah. <laughs> The $284 that's supposed to be in the club treasury is over $3,100 in today's money adjusted for inflation. So they should have had a really good chunk of change in there, but you can't have Lucy as your treasury. You just can't do it. I mean, who allowed that, honestly? Yeah. (laughs) Who was like, well, that's fine. That was a bad choice. (laughs) So there was a scene that was cut for time where Lucy asks Ricky to be in the operetta. Oh. And <laughs> she cries Aww. until he agrees to do it, and he's saying, like, I can stand tricks and wheedling and all of these other things, but crying is the one thing I can't take. <laughs> and so he has to agree to do it. But then he also says that Fred actually had already asked him to oh. be in it because Fred had agreed to be in it, and he thought that he and Ricky could have fun together in the show. That's cute. It's very cute. I kind of, on the one hand, I kind of like, that would have been a cute scene to see, but on the other hand, like, I like the way they did it, Mm because it it just kind of implies that Ricky's just game. Yeah. It also wouldn't really particularly add anything to the story. It would have been kind of funny, but... There have been other episodes where she cried until he agreed to do it, so... That's a common thing with... Yeah. These two. <laughs> but performing specifically, especially yeah. for her women's club. Mm-hmm. So Lucy actually loved her Camille makeup, her mm. fortune teller gig. Mm. I love that her name is Camille, by the way, because you can tell that she's named her that specifically to try and trick Ethel into mm-hmm. taking the part. Didn't work, of course, but she loved this makeup so much that it was like one of her favorite looks that she ever got to dress up in. 
and she used pictures of herself in that look for autograph photos. For <laughs> Can you a imagine? Long time. You go to meet Lucille <laughs> yeah. Ball and she gives you that toothless, yeah. horrendous thing. Oh my god. I would love it. You would. I'd be like, really? We can't get a glamour shot? Yeah. <laughs> She's so pretty. <laughs> um, Ethel's Lily of the Valley look was actually inspired by a young Mary Pickford Aww. who we discussed in Lucy Gets Ricky on the radio. So you can go back to that one if you want to know more about her. Her. We love She's Mary a Pickford. Fabulous lady. And this also apparently was the first episode little Lucy Arnaz was allowed to stay up late and watch. Aww, it's so a that's good one. Very cute. She gets to see her daddy being charming mm-hmm. and her mother being a clown. Yeah. So. That really sets the tone for everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very child friendly yeah. episode. There's not too much that's awkward about it. Yeah. <laughs> So Myra Marsh plays the club chairwoman again. We last saw her character in Lucy Writes a Play, and we discussed her at that time, both the character and the actress, so you can kind of go back to that one if you want to hear a little bit more about her, or just relive that episode, because it's a pretty good one. And just like in that episode, her scenes in this episode, well, the one main scene where she like sticks her face through the curtain and she's like, mm-hmm. I'm wearing my costume! that gets cut for syndication uh, so it's kind of a bummer because you know it happened both times and she's just so silly yeah. in both of her episodes and both of her little scenes like that but I kind but of it see is kind why of an unnecessary yeah, scene. I see why those would get cut it's just sad since she's yeah. so funny we do get to see her in the play as yeah. the like little trumpeteer <laughs> we get to see the costume yeah <laughs> The repo men and the other women for the club were uncredited. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, but people are pretty sure that one of the actresses is Betty Janes, who appeared in musicals in the 30s and was almost cast in The Wizard of Oz, but then they cut the part that they wanted her for. Oh, no. She didn't end up getting to be in the movie, but she got to be in this musical, which is, yeah, you know. Had a couple of numbers. Yeah. And there's a little production goof over the fact that the stage apparently has two curtains because you have the parting curtain that um, Myra Marsh's character sticks her head out through, and then when the play actually starts, the curtain lifts. Oh. <laughs> and they don't typically do both, or one or the other. Like so. camel's eyelids. Yeah. <laughs> so. What was your favorite song from this one? Oh, my favorite song. That's mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, I might have to say Lily of the Valley. It's although a good one. the in on the out is very yeah. funny. <laughs> I think I would have to say that one, the in on the river out, is mine. Yeah. Because I just love the very silly word play on that and it's Fred getting so. Dumb. so indignant about them insulting his inn. Yeah. But it's a very... They're both really cute songs. They're, the songs in this are so fun. And I should just say that if I had to pick a favorite episode of I Love Lucy, it would be this one. It's a good one. I When I was a kid, it was definitely my favorite episode. And then when I got older, I was like, that's probably not even my favorite episode anymore. I think I just like it because the songs are cute. But... The more I re-examine it, I'm like, no, it still slaps. Like, this is a great episode. (laughs) So I really enjoy it. Yeah. So, would you like to discuss pop culture? Always. 
So there's a lot of little references in this one. So Ethel Romberg and Lucy Frimmel, that's a reference to Romberg and Rudolf Frimmel. Mm. They were both composers who wrote operetta. Nice. Romberg was born in Hungary in 1887, and Frimmel was born in Czechoslovakia in 1879. And the whole operetta is kind of a parody of Frimmel's The Peasant Girl, and the drinking song is a parody of Romberg's The Drinking Song from his operetta, The Student Prince. Hmm. And then we have John Charles Ricardo. (laughs) (laughs) That's a reference to John Charles Thomas, a famous concert baritone and opera singer who we actually briefly discussed in Lucy Writes a Play. They made a reference to him at that time. And Lucy sings us a little sample of I've Been Working on the Railroad. Yeah. Which I'm sure you guys all know that song, but it is a folk song that was first published in 1894 in a book of Princeton University songs. Oh, okay. So we can thank the Ivy League for that one. And Victor Herbert was another composer and conductor. He was born in 1858 in Guernsey, and he Mm. actually was also a concert cellist. And he's kind of interesting because he was sort of an advocate for himself and his fellow composers. He spoke before Congress about musical composers retaining rights to the music so they could actually be fairly paid. Hmm. And just as an aside, when I was typing this in my notes, my autocorrect wanted to change fairly to gay. So it was (laughs) like, they want the rights to their music so they can be gay. And I was like, well, sure. Why not? And finally... Mrs. DeMille was a reference to Cecil B. DeMille, Mm -hmm. who was a director and producer in the early years of Hollywood, starting in the silent era. Like those big set pieces. Yeah. He was born in 1881, and his films include Carmen, which is a silent version of the opera Carmen, which is very Do they just stand there with their mouths open for a long (laughs) period of time? I'm imagining they just, like, adapt the story, but... Most operas have such a thin story because song. Yeah. So I don't know what they do, but. Remember when sister, our cat sister, was going deaf and she would still walk around the house trying to yell at us, but she was, she couldn't hear herself, so she would just stand there with her mouth open. (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny and cute and sad, but mostly funny. Mostly funny. Yeah. Mochi sometimes will do like his mouth open and I think about sister and I'm like oh no is he going deaf (laughs) but then I realize he's just like emotionally manipulating me (laughs) I'm an old man yeah (laughs) I'm a chronically ill child but anyways (laughs) Carmen (laughs) the king of kings which is about Mr. Jesus Jesus. Um, the 1934 version of Cleopatra I was gonna say that one (laughs) with Claudette Colbert who Was that the one that had the big elephant pillars? Is that what I'm thinking about? Possibly. I've only seen it once. I have seen it, but it was a while ago. But she was really fantastic Mm -hmm. in it. And then she also was in It Happened One Night with Clark Gable, who we love. We do. And The Greatest Show on Earth, which Lucille Ball was almost in, but then she was, like, you know, too pregnant. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Yeah, that's what she said. And the Ten Commandments. I was going to say the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Did you have any favorite lines? 
Okay, so this is another one of those episodes where I didn't actually write down any specific lines because I was trying to keep up with the plot. That's fair. And I actually had to pause like four times <laughs> to like write down all of my thoughts. So I'm going to approximate lines. So one of my favorite lines was when Lucy was like, we can write the play ourselves. And Ethel was like, who's we? And she's like, well, you know, we need a lead. And Ethel turned, like, (laughs) And then later... Also, like, how does Ethel not know who we is? Girl. Who else? Everything is a we. Yeah. (laughs) So then when Lucy had, like, told her that she'd written her out of the lead, and she's like, let's audition. Yeah. (laughs) So that was I also, what was the line about, all, almost all my favorite lines in this one are Ethel lines, which is fun. I don't think Ethel gets enough love, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like Ethel and Lucy are such, like, it's one word, mm-hmm. Lucy and Ethel, that you kind of, Ethel gets lost sometimes a little bit, because mm-hmm. you just kind of assume, you're giving her her accolades, they're, you yeah. know. We spend, Ethel's got a lot of sarcasm to yeah. her that is just very funny. Yeah, Ethel's a very solid character. Like, we spend so much time crushing on Ricky and just, like, gushing over Fred being adorable, and obviously Lucy, it's her show, that I feel like Ethel, almost as the best friend, gets lost, because you're like, well, of course Ethel's good. Mm-hmm. And we don't really talk about it as much as we should. We being people in general. Yeah. So, I, um, so it's fun that she gets all of my favorite lines in this one. Um, I do. It was the line in one of her shows where she's, or in one of her songs where she says, "All these other girls on their arm, they have a swell yeah. bow, and the only thing on her arm is her elbow." And I almost punched the TV. I was like, "That's so fucking stupid. I'm gonna I, steal it." I wrote that one down. <laughs> this one for me because like it is so dear to me, and I love all these songs so much. Like it was such a struggle. For me not to just, like, sing along because I wanted you to be able to hear the lyrics yeah. from, like, the actual people and not from me. <laughs> she actually said she was not going to sing, which yeah. is funny because when we watch shows, like, when we watch musicals, my family will sing. My family will sing anything. If there's a song on and we know the words, like, try keeping us quiet. <laughs> it's not possible. So, I really appreciate that you... Yeah, I just, I wanted you to have a chance to hear the original performance. Yeah first but so it's really hard for me not to just like have whole ass chunks of song in my notes here but so one of my favorites was when Lucy was like somewhere along the line I lost the ball (laughs) and um, where do I go to get my teeth snaggled (laughs) and Ricky when he says I love Lucy and she's a wonderful girl and she's got wonderful qualities but confidentially when she sings, she hits a bad note once in a while, which is very... He delivered it so gently. Yeah. Like, he was just like, I don't know if Ethel knows. And it's like, she knows. She, <laughs> she left the house once. Yeah. Because Lucy wouldn't stop singing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one about the swell bow rhyming mm-hmm. with elbow, because you can't not love that. And then the pleasant peasant girls, when they're singing Fred's song... The stout makes him ale, and the ale makes him stout. Because we love a pun. We do. Oh, I also love <laughs> Lucy and and the one extra, like, ad-libbing their problem-solving via yeah. song. That that also was, you know, there, there are times, like, in the freezer I struggled with identifying too much with the plot. This is another one of those. <laughs> 
that's like, well, I'm going to be singing that in the grocery store <laughs> next time the credit card's declined. That's my absolute favorite part, and I was saying that this is an episode that got quoted a lot at my house. It's mostly that part because the... <laughs> it falls. It came back. It's just so funny. And anyone who's ever had any kind of financial struggle ever can probably relate. Yeah. It's just taken to the silliest degree because... Most of us don't have our husbands repossessed right in front of our eyes. <laughs> and then he got away and they yeah. took his pants and they carted him off. <laughs> but God bless Lucy, she took that opportunity to get her solo. Yeah. She was like, everything else is falling apart, I'm gonna have my song. And then they just carried her off too. <laughs> and that's where it ended! <laughs> was still traumatized. <laughs> I need my denouement. <laughs> She's, there's gonna be, like, a whole cast for the next episode. Okay. Everyone's gonna make it They're out, out of hoc. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we've brought up the next episode, Whoop. I think we'll... Expert lead in. Yes, I think we'll wrap up there, and I will warn you guys that oh. <laughs> next week we'll be discussing Vacation from Marriage, Oof. in which the Ricardos and the Mertzes re-examine their marriages and also their friendships. Uh-oh. So that should be a fun one. Oh boy. <laughs> Looking forward to it. We will see you guys then. Bye. Bye. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher to make sure you never miss an episode. And follow us on Instagram at My Favorite Redhead, on Tumblr and Facebook at My Favorite Redhead Podcast. Tweet us at My Fave Redhead or drop us a line at My Favorite Redhead Podcast at gmail.com. And if you love Lucy and you enjoy our show, give us a good rating and review. 